welcome tonight. I'm Dale, for those who don't know me. Um, and uh, we're just talking tonight um, at this Spirit School about launching out into the deep. So uh, I shared this morning a little bit about what we're going to talk about tonight. It was um, from a passage in Luke, how Jesus, um, he was, it was in Luke chapter 5, and how he was teaching the multitudes and he got out into the boat because so, they were crowding, so squished out close to him and uh, when he'd stopped speaking he said to Simon Peter he said launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch and Simon Peter said to him but Lord I've been fishing all night I've toiled was actually the word he used all night and caught nothing nevertheless at your word I will let down the net and when they'd done this they caught a great number of fish for the net was breaking So they signalled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And as they came and filled both the boats, they began to sink. And uh, that's what I want to... I was on my heart. I got the scripture while we were actually flying home from Europe um, this week. And it was like just to launch out into the deep. To actually launch out. And at God's word, when we do that, he does amazing things. You know, and and not to hold back. You know, Peter actually held back because Jesus said, let down your nets, plural, and... And you can see, if you read the passage, that he let down one net. And uh, so, not to hold back. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. And just some of the things the Lord's been sharing with us as we travelled around Europe. And uh, some of the experiences we had and what he's been saying. So, that's okay if I just share my heart tonight. That'd be right. Yeah. Good. Um, <laughs> so, while we're travelling around, it really struck us that you must keep growing. And we all know that, that we have to keep growing. But sometimes it's easy to get stuck in the mud, you know, stuck in a rut. And we think, oh yeah, I've gone far enough. And in this time and this hour, God is really stirring things up. And, and you know that if you're here, you know that, that God is stirring things. And he, and he wants more for us. And um, he's doing lots. And we actually got the pleasure and privilege of being able to visit Mariah Chapel, which is in Swansea in Wales, which is where the Welsh Revival started from. Um, back in the early 1900s, and 100,000 people got saved. It was like an amazing revival. And we're actually able to visit um, where the church where that started with Evan Roberts. And um, we actually hung out with Justin and his wife, Rachel, for a day. And he said, if you come to Wales, you cannot miss this place. So we're like, yeah, yeah, we're going, we're going. But uh, I was talking to the kids as we were walking along the street. And um, before we even got to the church which is just this little church in the middle of this busy street. Um, you know, it's not all pristine or pretty. It's like just this brick building. But as I was coming along the street, I just the power of God just hit me. I was like, whoa, okay, this stuff here still. You know, like the, God's presence was there so strongly. I was standing in the graveyard and, you know, Evan Roberts, his headstone's there and all his family, and you could just feel the presence of God still in that place, his staff still in that place. And the whole time we were there, we just said, all right, you're here, God, we're just going to soak this revival fire up. And um, so that was really, really deep and special for us. And just what came out of that place... Um, and just, you know, God really spoke to us a couple of months ago, and me especially, and said, he woke me up in the middle of the night, and he said, you must keep on spreading out. You must keep on going outwards. The moment we start getting inward-looking and inward-focused and uncomfortable, and this is my little safe box, that's when God goes, uh-uh, and he likes to shake things up a bit. But uh, he just really impacted me that we must keep on reaching out and... Um, he reminded me of that while we were in Wales. Um, you know, the place, um, 
in Wales and Swansea where the Welsh Revival started has impacted so many people. It only went for one year. And yet in that place, the people who came and lives were changed there, um, they went out and spread it out everywhere. The people came from all over the world and then took it took it to their um, nations and their places. You know, Elam churches came out of there. The AOG in America came out of there. Apostolic movement came out of those that, that one place. And people from Korea, people from India, people from all over England and Wales and Australia, New Zealand, across America, across the globe, people came to that place and carried that revival fire outwards. And, and God did stuff in there. You know, the Pentecostal movement came from that that one place where 17 young adults came together in a prayer meeting and Evan Roberts just spoke the fire that was in his heart um, and it just came out and they grabbed it. And it wasn't just him. He had the fire of God in him. He wanted to reach, you know, 100,000. He said to his friend, if we could reach 100,000, you know, that would be awesome. That's what I want. But it wasn't just him. The fire that he had, it went out and it spread to those 17 young people and they went and told their friends and they went and told their families and that's how it started. And I guess it's no um, coincidence that I saw the fire come into the room tonight because that's what makes a difference, is us getting that fire, hearing it and being impacted and going, we've got to spread this around. We've got to spread this out there because people need to know. And it impacts nations. It changes things. You know, that whole whole nation was changed. You still hear them talking about the Welsh Revival. You know, it stopped football games. Imagine if the football got cancelled. I know we're Dockers and Eagles supporters, but imagine if it got cancelled because everybody was in church. You know, it wasn't just that little Mariah Chapel. There was churches down the street. There was every church in the region was packed all the time. They could not get in. They, and, you know, they told a story, a man who showed us around the chapel... Of, of this young guy who came, and uh, one of the um, one of the brothers or something of Evan Roberts was outside, and he said, "What's what, you know? Where have you come from?" And he'd come from two or three hours away to come, and he says, "I can't get in." And he says, "I'll come down the road." And he says, "I've been there. I can't get in there." So they went down to another church to try and get there. It wasn't just Evan Roberts; it was the fire that he had just spread, and people started to talk about what God was doing, and it just spread. And you see that with God over and over again in church history of what he's done is, is that he just says, go out. And he said, go out into the world. And he says, go out. You know, the, when the early church started, it started to be under heavy persecution. But because of that persecution, what did they have to do? Go out. And they spread it across the world. And um, too often, if we just stay in one place with God and we stay in one spot of what we do, and this is our little church and this is our little safe zone and we hunker down almost and uh, stay comfortable um, you know God can't get what he wants to get done through us you know he's in the business of expansion and spreading out yeah and uh, his whole plan from the moment of creation with Adam and Eve was that they would spread the garden of Eden that they would spread it across the galaxy you know the planets are, are you know empty for a reason it was our job as mankind to spread it, I think. If you look through scripture, you see that. It's like, it's like they're empty and they're void because that's the enemy got in and mess things out. But God is always into expansion and spreading things out. And uh, he hasn't changed. And um, 
we vis actually visited visited a couple of sites. The Lord was leading us along the way, and I'll share some of the funny things he did as we go along tonight. But we visited St David's Cathedral in Wales. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of that place. It's um, about 1,500 years ago, um, a guy called... Oh, it's just St David in, in Welsh. I can't pronounce it, but it's David in English. And he started a monastery there, and um, he drew... You know, he was passionate on fire, and one of the um, famous things he's known for is he was preaching, and um, it was amounts to crowd, and God caused a hill to to rise up where he was standing, so that people could see and hear him. I mean, and he was a tough dude. He was a bit of a tough dude. He wouldn't let um, any of his monks that gathered around because they were like, "We want, we want the fire." He was a fired up guy, and he had a passion for God and the real thing. And uh, and he was tough. He wouldn't let them use animals to um, till the land. They had to do all the physical labour themselves. And some of them might not have been very happy because they actually tried to poison him. And, <laughs> but he heard about it, so he just prayed over the bread that was poisoned and nothing happened. And, and, and he, was, he was known to be pretty hard. But the ones that didn't try to poison him, obviously, um, they... They, God um, used that man in them, even though he was tough and even though he was hard and they only got to eat, you know, very bare minimal, no delicacies or anything, that he, he used um, that place and, and David in that place to spread the gospel across Wales and England and out from that place. Again, you see that spreading. And it's always been God's heart to spread. Go out into all the world. Go out, go out. And... Uh, and um, now there's a cathedral there, but and but and you see all the the trappings and everything like that. But when it was a monastery, it was actually quite um, hard against any excesses, and and it was a reaction towards um, his his um, feelings of excess that came out of Rome and all those things. So, but because they had to work hard and they lived in tough conditions, they were physically tough and they were mentally tough, and they were able to keep up with what God called them to do. So sometimes when we look at our life and we go, it's too tough, you know? Well, God needs tough people. He yes. needs strong people. He needs people that can stand, that have metal on the inside of them. Yes. And it's not that he, you know, is out to cause suffering and anything, but he works in it. Yes. And he works in it and he wants us to be strong. And if, and if he puts you in a situation, you go, God... You know, iron sharpens iron. He, you know, puts you around people that just rub you the wrong way. Yeah. But that's okay because you get sharper yes. and you get tougher and, and God works in us. And, um, and St. David, he worked in those, mission, those monks because they became missionaries who would just get in a boat and just go. And if you've ever been to Wales, you don't want to just get in a boat, a little wooden canoe, and just go because it's rough. It's a rough place. Off across to England where they were pagans. And, but he, they were physically and mentally tough because of the place that God had them. <coughs> and God allows us to, to get tough. So we don't want to be manby-pamby Christians. We have to be tough. Amen? Just nod your heads at me. Yeah. You're going, no, I want it comfortable. Sorry. <laughs> Too often we want our life to be comfortable. We are comfort seekers. Yeah. We are comfort seekers. We want our little uggies on and our electric blankies. Come on now. This is Stuart, he walks around with a t-shirt in the middle of winter. But when you are, you live only wanting that, only wanting to be, I just want to be happy, I just want to be comfortable, I just want it to be all easy. You know, you run the risk, we run the risk of missing what God wants to do because we're so focused on being comfortable. You know, our highest life isn't necessarily always comfortable. 
You know, God doesn't just say, I want to give you, you know, comfortable. We're not comfortable. You know, he, he likes to make the comfortable uncomfortable, I've yes. found. And uh, if you see through church history and you three, see through the Bible, he took people out of their place of comfort and said, go on now, off you go. Look at Abraham. He took him out of his comfortable place and took him out and said, go off into the wilderness. Moses, he did the same. Yeah. And, uh, you know, even Ruth, you look at her life story and, and took her and said, no, you can go off and follow Naomi to another place. Esther, she was taken into her comfortable space and got chosen to do it all through the word you see it. All through. And uh, so I'm sorry about God doesn't really want us comfortable. He just wants us mighty. Yeah. And he wants us strong. And if we're just looking for comfortable, um, yeah, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss all that God wants us to do in us. And uh, so launch out into the deep is what I really, really have on my heart tonight is to launch out into the deep. And, you know, Peter, he had spent all night fishing. The word is toiled. Toiled means hard work, hard slog, you know, sweat of your brow, hard stuff. That's what toil is. And he says, I've toiled all night. And now you've asked, and I've just cleaned all my nets. They're all nice and rolled up, ready for tonight's fishing. And then Jesus says, now, Peter, just come out over here. Launch out back over there into the deep, which would have taken a while to get out to. You think about it. He was just on the shore. He said, go out there, put your nets out, and drop your nets out. And he went, Lord, I've, been, I've done all that. Don't we sometimes do that? Mm-hmm. I've done that, God. I've already done that. It didn't work. Mm-hmm. Ever said that? Yeah. I don't want to do that. And we dig our little heels in, and God says, launch out into the deep. And Peter, he was soft-hearted enough to go, okay, God, at your word, I would. He was a little bit stubborn because he only put one net out, but he missed out on the blessing, you know, because so many fish came. And he realised, he said, Lord, my Lord and my God. I recognise who you are and who I am. So if we stop growing and moving and just want to keep things the same as they've always been, we can risk missing what God is doing and we'll never launch out into the deep with him. So I'm here tonight to stir you up. And I do believe that God wants to send some fire into us. And I actually saw it come come into the room that uh, he wants to just launch us out and, and cause us to be stirred up and to... Burn off those things that hold us back because, you know, it, it does. It, it, chain, it chains us up and imprisons us and holds us back from what God wants. And, and not to seek to always be comfortable. Yeah. I know we, we come from a place where it's nice to be comfortable and especially in our society, but it's not necessarily a God thing. You know, he wants, it's, it's joy that he gives us and joy unspeakable. And that ne- not necessarily that we're all just, you know, not being challenged. Yeah, we need to be challenged. It says to go from faith to faith. Mm-hmm. It's like when, when you have a win somewhere and you've got, yes, I've broken through. Okay, now what? No, oh, I can just camp out. I know we want to do that. Just, yes, I've had a win. Yeah, just let me sit here. You know what the Holy Spirit will do? Okay, where are we going next? Yeah? You know, um, and if, uh, going to Europe was a 25-year plan for us, and it was like, and we just went, this is the restoration year, and God's been restoring things to us this year. He spoke to us at the start of the year and said, this is the year of restoration. And, uh, but I'm travelling around and always amazing things, standing on the hilltop in Florence and seeing Michelangelo's work, and I could feel the Holy Spirit just whispering away, and he's going, okay, where do you want to go next? I'm like, I'm just in Europe, just... He says, no, no, where do you want to go? And he's already stirring up. Okay, where's next? 
yes, Ken knows that. He's just come back from there. But it's like, and, and you know you have to put your faith to it because, because um, some of you may know and some of you might, but we went with an air ticket and that's about it. And a, a gift of money, but it wasn't going to go that far. And we just had to trust God. We were sitting in our hotel room in Cardiff going, all right, God, we're flying out of Rome. How are we going to get there? And it's like he takes you to places where it's uncomfortable to stretch you and grow your faith. So we're sitting there and we just went, right, we're just going to pray. We got over the word and we said, Lord, we have a need. We need to get to Florence. And, uh, and we'd been looking on the flights and a ridiculous amount of money. And then um, out of nowhere, after we prayed, we said, we're just going to trust you, Lord. These flights just came up, seven of them, bang, 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 to get us to Florence at a really cheap price. I'm like, there it is, quick, <laughs> that's where we're meant to go. Because we weren't even sure where we were going in Italy. We're just like, we're just going to, and I know everybody looks as crazy with five kids chugging through Europe, but that's where we were. We're just like, we knew we had to go. And, um, and it's like, God sometimes takes you to places uncomfortable just to stretch and grow you. And I know why I not doing that, because for us to go to faith to faith and to go to the next step in our journey, we have to know that God's going to provide. Yeah. have to know that he is, he is there for us. And then when we ask, and you know, that we'll receive. And too often, if we only do the comfortable, we're never going to know that. We're never going to experience that. We're never going to know that for ourselves. And as um, I think Jen Johnson from Bethel Church says, you have to have it in your pocket. You're never going to have that in your pocket, yeah. that I know, that I know that God will provide, or I know that God is my healer, because we never go to that uncomfortable space. Mm-hmm. I've got that in my pocket, yeah? But if we're always just comfortable, we're never going to have much in our pocket to pull out when we need it. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah. So what do you got in your pocket? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And often you have those things because you've been and un- un- allowed God to put you in un- uncomfortable. Now, don't be silly about it, but just allow God to lead us, yeah. and not to say, "Oh, it's too scary." Yeah, well, He likes scary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's into scary yeah. because it's not scary for Him because He knows the end result. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, we visited some places um, where it all looks very beautiful. Um, but there was not a lot of life there. It was just religion. We went to these amazing churches and amazing places, and um, there was just religion. There was a whole lot of rules and regulations, and you can't do this and you can't do that. And um, and the people were stuck. You could see that that they were stuck in this place where once had been something really great, but they hadn't moved on. And um, there was actually a feeling of decay in that place. Everywhere you went, you could feel that there was just um, there's no life here and it's actually crumbling. What there was has got no, no substance in it anymore. Yeah. And you could see the people coming and, and, and you know, honouring what was there and that's great to honour what God has done in a place yeah. but not to camp out there. Right. And, um, and it really struck me that, that you could feel the decay. It was actually just, you could see it almost. And um, it just really pushed me that we have to keep on moving, that we can't just say, well, this is how I like church, this is how I like my relationship with God, and I know this, and and God is saying, well, actually, there's so much more, and I want you to step into things that maybe you don't understand fully yet, but I want you to step there anyway. Because if we only only step into what we fully understand, we're going to miss out. Yeah? Because we've got, you know, (laughs) this much knowledge, and God's saying... It's not that we're silly, we find it in the Word and we, and we spend time with God, but that we, we launch out into the deep rather than just holding back. That's if you want to be a forerunner. I want to be up front. I want to be running ahead of the pack and going, God, 
give it to me. And, um, you know, the Welsh describe the Holy Spirit as a wild goose. And um, I was talking to Justin about this when we were over there. And, and uh, that he's wild and he goes here and there and he's unrestrained and he's powerful. And they actually call him the wild goose. And um, if you visited Wales, you can actually feel that. It's a rugged countryside and there's a sense of the wild there. I guess that's why I like it a little bit because it was like, woohoo, you know. And... Um, but they actually call the Holy Spirit, and the old old guys used to call him the wild goose because he was just like, you know, just out there, and you never know where he's going to go next. And it's like a wild goose. If you've ever seen a goose, they're just like, whoa, watch out, here they go, and um, they make a noise, and and um, that that's what it's like. That we sh- that we shouldn't try to constrain or control what God is doing. We're meant to just follow Him, not us be in control and Him follow us. And um, the guys from Bethel actually had a podcast this week where the disciples, when they were told to wait for Je- um, by, the, by Jesus for the Holy Spirit to come, they made time and they made a space and a place in their lives and allowed him to take over. They didn't say, right, you come now, what's, what's going on? They actually went to the upper room, 120 of them, and they waited. And too often we go, no, I've waited long enough. I'm impatient I've, I, you know, persevered. Come on. And then we get shirty if uh, God doesn't do what we want. Well, who's in control? He's the wild goose. We follow him wherever he may lead, not tagging him by the lead. Come on now. Too often we want to put a little halter on the Holy Spirit and say, come on now, you come where I want you, rather than letting him go where he wants to go and allow him to lead. We don't honour him. We go, I'm impatient, I've been waiting long. Do you know how long I've been waiting? He goes, yeah, I do. I'm still working on you. You know that character, like we watched this morning, if you're in at South Central, and chip away with the chisel. God just allows us to be, you know, chiselled out. And uh, But they, they didn't do that. Jesus said, you go to the upper room, and go to a place, go and wait. And so they made a place. And they made space and they allowed God to be in control. And they wouldn't have known what was going to happen. They hadn't seen the Holy Spirit before. They hadn't spoken in tongues before. They hadn't seen tongues of fire on each other's heads before. They hadn't heard the mighty rushing wind come into the room before. They hadn't seen any of that. But they just trusted, at your word, Lord, I will do it. And God so much wants us to be at your word, God. I will do it. I will launch out into the deep. I will launch out of my comfort. Even if everybody else thinks I'm crazy and what are you doing and haven't you waited long enough? Yeah. yeah. You will, at your word, Lord, I will launch out into the deep and I will obey what you ask me to do. And to make that time and that place and that space for him to work in our lives. And because the 120, and you know, there was a lot of other people who followed Jesus. But the forerunners, the ones that were hungry for God, the ones that said, I want to be out in front of what you're doing, those are the ones that were blessed. The others went back and did whatever, went back to fishing, went back to whatever they did. But those 120, they waited just like Jesus asked them to do. And there's always those ones that will wait and there's always those ones that will get sick of it and go off and do the other thing. But I want to be one of those ones that waits and say, God, what are you doing? I want to receive. I want to make a time and a place and it's on your agenda and you're in control, not me. Because when we try and control, we're, we're dishonouring him because we're like putting a lead on him, saying, come on, rather than I follow you. 
And we don't like to think of ourselves doing that with God, but that's actually what we're doing. We're, we're going, you do what I want, and we get annoyed if he doesn't. And he's saying, actually, I'm in control here, and you have to do what I want. You've got to follow me. That's what it means to lay down your life and follow him. You know, I love um, the story of Matthew and how Jesus came up to him, looked him in the eyes and said, you know, follow me. And it says he put down his, his work and he followed Jesus. He said, follow me. And that's what God wants for us, that we would follow him and that we wouldn't get stuck where there is no life anymore or, or where, you know, God always wants us to go from faith to faith. Not that we forget what God has done and all the you know memorials that we make along the way of what God has done, but we've got to keep going from faith to faith to keep on growing in him. And in this time and in this hour, we've got to be like that because God is doing some things, things around the globe and around the world. And if you're listening to um, Company of Burning Hearts or you're listening to Nancy Cohen, if anybody's ever heard of her, she's a wild woman. Uh, she's, she's out there and, and um, Justin actually gave us some podcasts of him to listen to, listen to her and, um, and she, she's a brave woman. She's a grandma, she's in her 60s and she goes into all the countries that are closed off to most people. She's been to every Muslim nation except for two countries and preached and seen thousands saved. You know, she actually disappears and Jesus appears. You know, she's raised this, um, this she was in, um, I think it was Pakistan, and, and she was in this meeting and the, and the government was actually allowing her to be there and, and protecting her. And um, first night there was just a few women and children, second night there was a few more. Third night some, some clerics came in and they were holding this boy in their arms, he was dead, and they threw him at her feet and says, the Christian God is dead. And they just stared her down. And she, she said that when she stared at this little boy, all she could see was her grandson. So she picked up this little boy and she wept over him and cried out to God, just as she would if it was her grandson. And then she breathed on him and he came back to life. Hallelujah. Now she's just like, and she's, she's just a grandma, you know, and, uh, and, and she, she just um, hears from God, doesn't stay in her comfort zone. And you read her um, this story and she's just like, just brave. It's just, I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out of my comfort zone and I'm going to do what God asked me to do. And it didn't start with her going off away across the nations. It started with her walking out a front door and saying, God, who do you want me to talk to? Where do you want me to go? And letting that fire build in her. You know, we don't don't start over here. We start just doing what we can do in our space and being brave and going, I'm just going to do what you want me to do. I'm going to speak where you want me to speak. I'm just going to let that fire rise up within me and not keep on squishing it down. Because the fire's already in us. But too often we put the lid on it. Oh, no, I can't say that. I can't do that. Why not? Remember, he's in control. He's a wild goose and he leads you, not the other way around. God is doing great things across the earth. And um, church isn't going to look the same. And our experiences aren't going to look the same. When God moves, it always changes. And um, things don't look the same in the Christian world as they did 2,000 years ago. They don't look the same as they did 1,500 years ago. They don't even look the same as they did 100 years ago. God is always shifting and changing things up to meet the need of the hour. And so we have to be prepared to let go of some things so that we can grab hold of what God is doing. So I encourage you to just launch out 
it's not, you know, you might just want to take it a step, but to launch out in those places where maybe you have been a little bit, oh, I'm, I'm holding back, because God is doing things, and you don't want to be in a place in your Christian walk or your walk with God or even in your church life where it's decaying. You need to be on the other side of what God is doing where the mould is on the roof and, you know, people just don't. It's all about religion, not a relationship. And that can so easily happen if we don't shift and change with what God is doing and where the Holy Spirit is moving. And uh, I know that if you're here, you're hungry and uh, you want that fire, but I just felt to remind us all not to get comfortable. I know we had Justin here and he fired us up and... And, uh, but he, he himself says, I'm, I don't know it all, I, I'm hungry, I've got to keep on changing, I've got to keep on moving with what God is doing. And he actually doesn't have a plan beyond six months, because he says, God's always moving. So we just do a six-month thing, this is what I'm doing. You know, which goes against the five-year plan, doesn't it? <laughs> but uh, we have to just allow ourselves to be led and for... Um, us to be equipped to do what God wants us to do, we have to be in that space where we allow him to move, to meet the challenges of the hour. And you only have to read the newspaper or watch the news to know that we've got to change it up. And it's not just it's not us doing it, but he does it through us, yeah. that we have to you know, allow God to mess with things. Because the world needs to know and to be brave enough to be out front and go, you know what? I'm being, I'll be prepared to let you use me. You know, and if you look at people all through church history, all through the Bible, you see that the ones that God used were the ones that just said, I'll be available. Okay, God. And um, he's actually releasing a generation of those who see, who have a revelation of who they are and the authority they have in, in the heavenlies and authority they have um, moving heaven to earth. And that's what he's doing now. And... Um, I've been asking the Lord to, to show me that I would see. And when I went to Melbourne a few years ago, there was a blind man, and I've shared this with some of you, that he was standing in front of me, and um, I was, and the Lord said, watch him. And I could see, and he's turning to his friend, he's praising the Lord, and the worship was awesome, and he turned to his friend, and he says, look, look, and I could hear him, look, look, there's angels all around, and I'm going, where, where? And the Lord says, you look with your natural eyes. You, you don't see because you're looking with your eyes. And not looking with your spirit. You can see, you just have to practice. And so I've been really thinking about that and you know, and asking Lord to show me that I would see, that we will be seers, rather than just, you know, with our yeah. physical we set so grounded on the physical thing. And the Bible says in Colossians to set your eyes on heavenly things, set your mind upon heavenly things. It actually says in the Bible to um, go up into the heavens and look down. Look down on the world. It says, you know, look down. So how do we look down as we look down from the heavenlies? Yes. But it's been able to see. And I'll just finish with um, sharing what we were in Wales. And if anybody's ever been there, they have these very tiny little country roads. And we were in this very, very big car. And uh, you, the car was so big that if a motorbike came, the motorbike didn't have room to get past us. That's how big the car was because there's seven of us. And... Uh, Anyway, this particular morning, Philip's like, oh, there's a really, really windy road and I cannot see. And, you know, cars would come the other way and it's like, where do you go? And um, 
And I started to see this angel in front of us, just in the spirit, but very, very clearly I could see this angel, and I'm like, oh, it's just my imagination. And, uh, and, but the angel was going like this, and then he'd go like this, like a traffic warden. And uh, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Anyway, so and uh, every time we go like that, I'm, and I'd be like, ah, oh, Philip would have to break because round the corner would be a cow or another car coming or something like that. So after about the third time of seeing this angel do that, okay, okay. I said to Philip, I think there's an angel directing us. And he says, well, what's he saying? Because I need to know. <laughs> and uh, So anyway, so I would just be relaying the message because the Lord was just showing me. But I was seeing because that's what I've been asking that I would see. And this angel very clearly was there. And then I was getting spoken to. was like, and he'd be going, come on, come fight. And then he'd just slow down. And then I'd get a hand up. And, and every time he did it, there would be something around the corner that Philip needed to slow down for. So I would just be going, slow down. Okay, now he says go, and he says take it easy, and I was like doing this little traffic directing, but it was like just, just being able to see, and that's what God wants us, and you know too often we push aside those things that we see, because we think oh it's just my imagination, you know we just think oh you know I'm just seeing things, but in actual fact we need to step into that place where we are in a place where we see more of what is in the heavenly realm than we do in what is in the earth. And we're so comfortable down here, but God wants us to be able to see. And, and he was teaching me that, that, you know, that he's there and the angels are there. And, and every now and then, we actually walked into Justin's home and he got a bit whacked. And he has a new word. What is it? Beschwipped. Because he's been in Germany and uh, they can't, don't have an English word for whack, so they call it beschwipped. I think that's how you say it. So, it means tipsy or merry. Yeah, tipsy or merry in English, but uh, beschwipped. And um, anyway, he, he got a bit whacked and beschwipped. And, um, and he said later, he said, um, he said, oh, I just got whacked because I, all your angels came into the room. And I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> but it was like, and then we're standing at the castle and he's talking to the guy and he's chatting away to him. He says, oh, there's, a, you know, there's this amount of us and a few angels too. And the guy's like cracking up. But, but it's like they're always with us. And it's just saying, God, let me see. Yeah. And then not discounting it. When you see it, like the first time I started to really see like that was where it, I was at a kid's swimming lessons and um, I, saw, I saw across across the pool, I'm sitting watching the kids in their lessons and across this other side of the pool, just like that, like a door opening like that, I saw this angel go, no way, and then I'm like, and, I, and, then, and then I looked up again and I, and I said, waving at me and I'm like, weird and uh and i must be tired and get out of sleep anyway and i look around and then there's another angel with his lifeguard with his arm around the lifeguard just supporting him and helping him along so anyway and so i looked up again at this angel that had been waving and grinning at me so i said all right i'll just go over there and come around to the other side and sure enough i went over and i could i was having this little conversation everybody else was to thought i was nuts but i could he was there and that's where it really started, where I said, all right, I'll just show me. And, uh, and to be able to see. But when we were in Wales, it really stepped up a level because it was like so, there's an angel there in front of us giving us traffic directions. But he wants to be like that, that they're in the car with us and, and, and they help us because they're ministering spirits to assist us and inherit salvation. They're there to help us. And um, I'm trying to remember the guy from the 1960s, um, Brenner, I think it is. 
um, that he would actually be on the platform and he had a very powerful healing ministry and he would see um, the angel would whisper in his ear and tell him the diseases and he could see the demons fighting, calling out. One demon over here would have a, it was cancer and the other one was something else and they'd be yelling to each other for support because they knew they were about to get kicked out of the person. And the angel would be in the platform standing beside the preacher saying, over there, speak that one out. And as soon as he spoke it out, the demon would have to go because he'd rebuke it and the person would be healed. So we think, oh, wow. But it's for all of us. God is no respecter of persons. He is a respecter of faith. And if you honour, if you honour those things of the heavens, if you honour them, then that's what you start to see. So what you, what you honour is what you start to see. So I've been honouring the angelic. I want to know. I want to know what they're up to. I want to be part of what they're doing. I want to, when we're walking along the street, that I can see where an angel's working so I can go to that place instead of just going in cold because the angels prepare the way for us. But we've got to see first instead of just, you know, the Holy Spirit guides us, but, but, he, but God wants us to be in this place now where we're seeing. So we want to be people who see and have that revelation knowledge so we're not just going in fear and trembling all the time. Because if you saw an angel talking beside and saying, come over here, this one, you would go, wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, you should. You should. Yeah, and, and that's where God wants us. But he's going to start with this everyday things of directing traffic or waving at the swimming pool. You know, and God is very lovely at the pool because when I was a kid, I actually, there was a girl in our class who drowned. And so God knows what I'm about in, in swimming pools and that. And so he was just showing me, hey, this angel, because I always say, Lord, just protect all the kids that there be angels here. And you say those things, but do we really believe they're there? But because we pray it and we pray God's word, they're there. So just encourage you to ask, Lord, let me see. Let me have revelation knowledge. And I honour those things, you know. There's only one verse in the Bible that talks about, you know, being aware, careful of angels and not worshipping angels. And the angels tell you themselves, don't worship me. But there's a whole lot of other verses that talk about the angelic realm. But what do we do as church? The one verse, we pull it out and take it out of context. It's like, they're there to help us. So what are they helping us with today? What are they helping with you tomorrow? You know? And it's like the Holy Spirit speaks and the angels are there and the whole family in heaven, the cloud of witnesses and all that. They're, they're excited about what's going on. They're excited about what's going on, but we need to get to a place where we are engaging with that instead yes. of going, no, no, it's not comfortable. <laughs> now, come on. Yeah. This is the church. Yes. And the world needs the church to stand up. And that we be the people that God has created us to be. That we see the things of heaven and that heaven moves on earth. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. And uh, then we'll, I'm just going to put a song on and just, just, I really, yeah, I sense that fire coming into the room and just like God wants us to launch out into the deep and to allow God to just move in your life and to let that presence and that fire come in. You know, it was only 17 people sitting in a room just like that, just like this, that got that fire in the hearts and spread it. God wants us to spread it. Spread what God is saying. Spread what God is showing and revealing you. And as you see things, don't keep it to yourself. Tell someone about it because people actually want to know. People are really are spiritually aware and the angels will show you where to work. And that's how we get the job done. So let's pray. And then, Shara, can you put on oceans for me? And... Um, 
just allow God to work. Allow what I've said in, in God's presence to settle in you. Because too, too often, as um, Yongi Cho says, you know, as Westerners, we hear God's word and then we're up and out the door and we don't let it settle in our spirit. So I want us to just let that launching out and just let's not be comfort seekers, just to settle in our spirit so we go out with that this week. So um, let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for your presence here. I thank you for your fire. I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that as I've spoken your word tonight, that we would not be comfort seekers. Lord, that you would just chisel that out of our lives. Lord, that you would work in us. Lord, that we would people people that would be on fire for you, that we would be seers, that we would seek your face, that we'd seek the heavenly things, that we'd set our minds upon you, Lord, and your power would come into our lives, Lord, that we would just receive everything you have for us, Lord, that we wouldn't be just comfortable little Christians, Lord, that just let the days go by and don't take most of every opportunity, Lord, that we would be fired up ones, that we would be the fiery ones, Lord. But send your fire in us and upon us, Lord, and let it not be squished out by our complacency, but fire us up. Burn away like a consuming fire the things that would hold us back, Lord. And let us be forerunners and out front and know who we are in your kingdom and take our place, I pray. Take our place, Lord, and spread it out out there to share it and not be not to be afraid, to be bold. Lord, I pray for boldness and signs and wonders to follow, Lord, as we speak your word, just as the ones in Acts prayed that, that you would follow. just give us boldness to speak with your fire. I pray in Jesus' name. Pray that as we just worship and focus on you, that these words would just settle in our hearts and our minds, that we would launch out into the deep. Thank you, Jesus.